Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The one thing that people uh, miss on that concept of brain health is that brain health is not just taking care of an organ. Your brain is where your personality resides. It's how you feel. It's how you interact with people. And it essentially is an organ of, of bringing joy and stability in your life. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 147.5. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Veggie lovers, I have for you once again, the marvelous, the fabulous, the fantastic, the amazing doctors, Aisha and Dean Shurzai, who are returning to the podcast to talk about their newest book, The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution, a brain health conscious cookbook and lifestyle program grounded in rigorous science and explained simply with anecdotes, recipes, and actionable steps. You need to get this book, get it for your family members, get it for your friends. I love it because it's just so accessible. It's written in simple language that anybody can understand. And the best thing is that you can take this information and you can start applying it. You can start using it 
to change your habits and behaviors, to adapt your habits and behaviors so that they will align with the vision that you have for yourself, how you want to live this life, the well-being, the health, the joy, the longevity that you want, you can find it by reading this book. Now, Team Sure's Eye doesn't really need an introduction. Hopefully you've heard of them. Hopefully you already follow them on social media. Generous doesn't even describe how they live their lives. Honestly, I admire them so much and I see them as mentors, as how I want to live my life, but I feel like they just give so much to the world. They have a beautiful family, their children, they're, they've passed down these values to their children who are also doing fantastic things in the world. But they're just happy people that are spreading the joy of life to others. So this unique husband and wife team is on the cutting edge of brain science. Dr. Dean and Dr. Aisha Shirazai are dedicated to educating people on the simple steps to long-term health and wellness through their work as directors of the Alzheimer's Prevention Program at Loma Linda University Health with patients as well as through online writing, videos, and books. They have so much content. They have their first book, The Alzheimer's Solution, It's fantastic. They've been on the podcast to talk about that before, but they know that there is a tsunami of diseases of the brain, such as Alzheimer's, stroke, and Parkinson's disease, which is permeating in our culture. And they want to make a difference. They know that they can make a difference by teaching other people these concepts, which like I said, are simple. They're not complicated concepts. But the problem is we don't always apply them or we, we don't consistently apply them. So this book is going to help you. So Drs. Aisha and Dean Shirzai are co-directors of the Alzheimer's Prevention Program at Loma Linda University Medical Center. They do research. They have recently done two reviews of omega-3, DHA, EPA, which we talk about in this interview. And like I said, their newest book, The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution, will be released March 23rd. So next week, if you pre-order, you can get some cool bonuses, which I am going to do so that my parents can participate in their online program. They also have an app, which apparently is an evidence-based app that they have done research on. But in this interview, we talk about why they do the work they do, because it seems like they have so much passion and they're tireless in their work. They just give so much to the world. We talk about that. We talk about why they wrote this book and how it's different from the first book. We talk about dementia and Alzheimer's and other forms of cognitive impairment and why we need to know about these things and how prevalent they are. Also, for my own personal edification, I asked them about brain fog, what it is, why it seems so prevalent, what are some truly concerning symptoms when it comes to memory, focus, and concentration, when we should seek an evaluation, and what's normal for brain function as we age, what should we expect? Is it ever too late? 
Is it ever too late to make lifestyle changes to help preserve our brain function? We also talk about the Neuro 9, which is something that they talk about in their book. And then we spend some time talking about fat, saturated fat. Is it beneficial? Is it harmful? Should we be eating it? Like, you know, I feel like with the keto thing and and this low carb revolution, we've been told that, hey, eat all the saturated fat you want. It's not going to hurt you. So what do they as scientists who do their own research and review the literature and see patients and are able to affect change in their patients and their lives, what do they think about saturated fat as well as cholesterol? And then we talk about omega-3 DHA EPA. You're going to love this conversation. It's so lively. It's so applicable. But they are so down to earth, just loving, generous people. Go out and get this book, The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution and get the bonuses. I wanted to release this episode immediately. We usually have a little lag time before we release episodes, but we made an effort to get this edited and to you as soon as possible so that you have time to order, pre-order the book, get the bonuses, be part of their program. You get time with Dr. Shirzai. They are amazing. So thank you, veggie lovers, for being on this journey with me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for supporting me, but also supporting these brilliant scientists, physicians, these generous contributors to the world. I'm sure you're anxious to hear all of this valuable information, so I won't drag it out any further. Let us welcome Drs. Aisha and Dean Shurzai. (laughs) Drs. Aisha and Dean Shurzai, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Well, we've already had some laughter before we started, so I know this is going to be a great interview. We're off to a great start. Before I even start with the questions, you know, as we were warming up before I hit record, um, Dean was talking about how much you're doing right now. You have this new book that's coming out, all of these commitments. Why do you do what you do? Why are you so passionate about it? Why does all of these things that you do matter in your life and what you want to put out into the world? Because of the money. Uh, We want the money. (laughs) We want the, 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 the boats. The the you know the oh, the, the jet the private jet we call it the Toyota Sienna <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, yeah basically you know the but no uh, all jokes aside uh, we we do it because it is selfish though it is selfish let's just make sure that we 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 say that ahead of time that this this false heroism uh, at least it's not going to come from us it's we absolutely love this part of the journey. Um, uh, you know, our moms and dads did something that placed the locus of reward in helping in serving Mm -hmm. and changing Mm -hmm. and revolutionizing and, and affecting the world and guarding the planet and, 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 and helping people one, two, 10, 50, 1000 at a time, but it is pleasure. Nonetheless, it is pleasure. If it wasn't pleasurable, then I would be in uh, doing something else. Um, but but it is wonderful. 
it's hard at times, but even that's, it's almost like that when you exercise and you do, you know, you prepare for an athletic endeavor and you work hard and then you get the reward or you don't, but, but even that in, sometimes the reward is in the endeavor itself and in the, in the challenge itself and the workout itself, you know. Um, this is the same. I mean, day and night uh, we've been working. Um, we have our times, but reality is a lot of what we do there is a lot of stress, but there's a lot of joy in those little micro successes, those quanta of joy and successes, whether it's publishing a new paper and it goes out and like, oh, that baby was born, you know, the placenta is out, the, 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 it's beautiful, it's, it's, it's the new life, it's new information into the world. And, and, and it's honest information. We did the due diligence to make sure that it is as representative, not more, nor not less. When we see the patients in the clinic or in the community, yeah. every communication is not about just us giving the blood pressure medication or the you know, cholesterol medication, which we do. We're not against medicine. Or the prescription of the veggies or the prescription of exercise. But it's about that connection that makes another connection to the family, that makes another connection to the community, because we work in the communities as well, in the faith-based communities and in the communities. It's just a lot of fun, too. Stress, but fun as well. So mm -hmm. um, that's why we do it. I mean, the journey started 17 years ago. Well, the journey started many, many years ago with her grandfather and my grandfather leading, giving us those seeds. But then we met 17, 18, 18 years ago. Sorry. I better be careful there. Uh, 18 years ago <laughs> and what came out of that was a conversation about the brain the mind the alzheimer's that had uh, ravaged our two grandparents minds and uh, we said we're going to take a new journey and here we are in front of you i love it so beautiful and and it's true that you kind of alluded to that motivational triad right that we do seek pleasure and avoid pain and conserve energy. And I'm so grateful that the work that you do does give you pleasure and that you keep seeking more information and knowledge and to touch more people's lives. So I think that's a perfect transition to the new book. I love your new book because it, I think it's going to reach so many people. It's very accessible and written for people at various levels, but I think it's especially great for people that are on the road to prevention. They might be worried about their family history, or maybe it's a worry that they just have in the back of their mind, something that I'm gonna ask you about a little bit later. So tell me why you wrote this book specifically the way that you did. Was that one of your aims to make it more open and accessible to more people? Thank you so much for your kind words, Yami. Um, yes, that that definitely was the reason why. Um, when we first wrote our uh, the first book, The Alzheimer's Solution in 2017, uh, we made sure that we put in a lot of science in there and that was focused on the why. And this book, The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution, is the how. How do you implement mm -hmm. all these healthy lifestyles in your life? And the way we think about it based on our work with patients, and you've come across this, you do this as well. It has to be something that people can implement. It has to be easy. Mm -hmm. um, and if, like, for example, specifically when it comes to food, it has to be tasty, it has to be healthy, and it doesn't have to take a long time for people to make it, right? So mm -hmm. we focused on the application part and, and 
also wanted to focus on the fact that your brain is like any other organ in your body. Sometimes people feel that the brain is a completely secluded organ that is not affected by things you do, but it does. It does get affected actually even more. This incredible organ is the most active organ in the body and it does a lot of things. It's it's our feelings, it's our emotions, it's our personalities. And so we have to take care of it, it to become a better version of ourselves. And so the application part is something that we focused on a lot in this book. Yes. No, I think it came through really well. And I do feel like you presented it in a way that's simple and it has enough science in there. But I feel like those people that might get bogged down by the too much science, like they get turned off by, I, I don't understand this, it makes it accessible to them. So that's what I really like. So why should we all be aware of or concerned about Alzheimer's disease and other forms of cognitive impairment? Is this something that most people will encounter in their lives? Why should we even be thinking about it? Most people will encounter in their life. And if, if we live in the West, we will all encounter. It's the number one cause of mortality and morbidity in the UK and Japan and a lot of Western countries. That's number three. Uh, in U.S. and will be number one. It's the fastest growing epidemic outside of COVID when it was uh, growing, um, mm -hmm. and it will continue to grow. And and that's the reason we are seeing it. We will be seeing it, and it will be affecting us profoundly. The cost, the human cost, is just bewildering. It's the most devastating disease because you see the person that you knew, the loved one, losing parts of themselves in small increments day after day after day, which is the most painful way of seeing it. And then the person becomes anxious. The financial cost is bewildering. I mean, the second costliest disease is heart disease at 120 billion, all cancers together, mm -hmm. 70 billion. Direct cost of Alzheimer's is 305 billion, indirect cost another 240 billion. And that number wow. is expected to climb to as much as nearly $3 trillion combined in, in, a, mm -hmm. in a few decades that will by itself collapse our system. So we have to address it. We have to be aware of it. But the part that I want the audience to be aware of is that much of it is avoidable. That's, that was controversial 15 years ago or 10 years ago when we first started coming out with this. We actually coined the term preventive neurology. It was so controversial that we wouldn't get invited to, converse, to conferences. But a couple of years ago in Alzheimer's Association International Conference, the main plenary talk was Prevention is the new cure. Now yes. this is the path. <clears throat> now it's popular. Now everybody's jumping in, even non-neurologists into the, the, and it's fine. This is about doing something. It's important that people do it for the right reason and the right way. And they're not just doing it just to, you know, but in any case, there's a lot of um, hope. Um, if we make the right changes, small incremental changes will have profound effect on our, our brain. We, we, we're behavioral neurologists, so as much as we, you know, we focus on nutrition, we both have masters in nutrition and, and, and research, and we, we focus on that, but what's most important is behavior. And how do, you, how do you give tools to individuals where they can inculcate it and slowly incorporate it into their life in small increments that become habit, that become personality, that become character, that become culture of the family, that become a movement in the, in the, in the community. Yes. That's our goal. So we're not into 
oh, let's see if we can, you know, eat broccoli. We know broccoli works. You don't have to convince us. We're not in the, uh, in the camp that says, oh, no, it's, you know, keto this. No, no, no. All of that science is junk science. Um, we are open to science if new things appear, but the data shows plants, plants, plants. There's no question. And uh, so we got that. The, no more clinical trials. Let's apply it to communities. So that's why most, most of this book comes out of our behavioral uh, approach because we have led the largest community-based um, brain initiative in the country and beach cities and in other places and, and faith-based communities. So we're actually now applying it at the community level through uh, our Healthy Minds Initiative, which is a non-for-profit. And we think it's, it's at that stage that we can work on. And it's also important for people to know that if you're having minor cognitive issues, don't worry. Especially at that stage, you can reverse it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't have to buy anything from me or anybody else. In fact, you don't even have to buy our book. Well, yeah, you need the advice from somewhere, so you might as well buy the book. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but the point is, it's not a gimmick. It's not the biohack or brain hack of the day. It's about complex, comprehensive approach. And that's why with the book that we've applied, we're, 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 uh, we've, we're putting out on the 23rd, there's also an app that's the only app that's been tested in a study, mm. as well as a course, a one-month course that comes with it. So it's not just a book. It's a one-month course for those who pre-order, as well as an app that tells them how to go forward and gives them the scores and everything. So it's a very, very, very comprehensive approach. We don't make any, everything we make, every penny we make goes towards the Healthy Minds Initiative, which is to raise awareness about brain diseases. Oh, yes, that's key. And it's something that I talk about all of the time is habits and behaviors. That is what's going to get us that health, well-being, longevity. It's habits and behaviors. Habits and behaviors seem so simple, but that does take work, especially if you have different habits and behaviors that aren't aligning <laughs> with your goals. So yeah, I love how in your book, you talk about smart goals and, and really thinking about this in a way that isn't judgmental. You know, it, it's, it's a very coach based approach to how can we put things in place in our lives that are going to get us the results we want, which is health, well-being, longevity, joy, all of these beautiful things. That's wonderful. Well, let me deviate just a little bit. And this, I will say, is selfish for me because I'm 41 years young. The other day, one of the, I had a new family in the office with a newborn and the dad was asking me all these questions about how long I had been practicing and, you know, been out from residency 12 years. And he was just like, wow, you look really young. And I was like, well, thank you. But I feel <laughs> like my brain is 41. So like you both busy, have so many demands on me, lots of things I want to do. And so I feel like sometimes I experience this brain fog, although I'm not really sure what brain fog really is. You do mention it in your book. So I'd love to talk about what is brain fog? Why do we even talk about this? I feel like everybody's talking about brain fog these days. Why is it so prevalent? And how is it related to cognitive impairment, if at all? Yeah. So I'll start, and this, this is your field too. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, and, and brain fog is not a thing in itself. It's a feel, uh, you know it in, in, its, in its absence. So this is the most common thing we hear in our clinic. Mm -hmm. um, after they've gone through a process, after they've gone through the lifestyle changes, 
um, after they've, they've gone through the difficulty because any change is difficult, not because of the thing you're changing, because change is difficult. And especially if you're giving up sugar and fat, which are addiction drugs, uh, intrinsically addiction drugs, you're going to have a withdrawal. But then after you've gone past the, you know, one month or so, all of a sudden people say, oh my gosh, now I know what it means when they say uh, the fog has lifted. Mm-hmm. And so in its absence, you become aware of it. And it's a greater focus, period. It's greater focus. And, and the greater focus you kind of recognize from your youth, even people who have ADD, I'm telling you, when, when you get older, the thing that's actually affected the most is focus mm-hmm. and attention. Mm-hmm. And, and, as, as you, and for multiple reasons, we're not going to get into the details of the neuroscience of that, but, but it, it is. But that can be built. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we see the most. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. I think it's that loss of um, the sharpness and the capacity to stay focused and stay on a subject mm. and kind of build on that. You know, like sometimes when you are in the middle of a conversation or when you're handling a whole lot of things, there are multiple layers to that activity. How do you hang on to a thought of your daughter or your son telling you something, remembering that and then moving on to something else and mm. taking care of that and then coming back to the conversation with your daughter or your son and taking it on from there so that that level of complexity sometimes lost and of course it's multifactorial but the good news is it can be built it can be fixed and one can have profound brain capacity moving forward at any age and that's what Mm -hmm. we say all the time to our community members and patients too yeah well and i noticed for myself that if i spend too much time on social media my focus and my attention definitely goes down. And I feel that feeling of like, I can't focus on anything, you know, like I can't hold anything. I forget all these words and all of this stuff. So I, I do believe that, that it, it can be built, but it can also be unlearned by spending too much time on different multitasking, different ways and trying to take in too many pieces of information at once. So moving on from there. So say there's a lot of us maybe my age women and you know middle age where we start feeling some of these symptoms what are truly concerning symptoms when it comes to memory focus and concentration so what are the signs of cognitive like true cognitive impairment where it prompts somebody to go see a professional to see if there's something really going on yeah, that, that's a really good question because that can be a point mm-hmm. of concern for a lot of individuals too, right? I mean, it uh, we all have memory lapses. We've all been to a room kind of staring at the walls and saying to ourselves, hey, why did I come in here, right? I mean, we've all had that happen to us. And by definition, uh, when people tend to have memory problems or focus problems to the point that it starts affecting their activities of daily living, profoundly, not just one time, that's concerning and they should definitely go and get themselves checked. Um, you know, uh, the, as far as the pathology is concerned, so let's just talk about the worst, right? Dementia, which is the umbrella category. Dementia means when people have memory problems to the point where they can't really do the same things that they were able to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then there are different phases before that too. For example, so uh, Alzheimer's is the main type of dementia, right? So before that actually happens, there is a stage called mild cognitive impairment. 
Mild cognitive impairment is when you're having a lot of memory lapses, but you still can drive, you can still write checks and take care of your finances, you can still cook and clean the house and kind of, you know, not be, not be affected too much by it. But you're, you've kind of crossed the line and you've come to the zone of mild cognitive impairment. Now, before that, you know, people always get concerned and get themselves checked when they have memory problems, when they're in the mild cognitive impairment, or most of the time when they're already in the dementia stage, which is devastating. But, you know, memory problems don't happen all of a sudden. There's no, you know, sharp line where you, when you cross it, you have it. And when you don't cross it, you don't have it. It's a spectrum. We start having cognitive decline in our twenties and thirties, and it's like a slow decline in cognition. That kind of sounded crazy and scary, but there's, this is not to scare anyone, but we do. And that it happens because of multiple things. And first of all, you know, our, our brain capacity um, is at its peak in our 20s. And then from then on, we try to get focused on specific things and not really, we're not able to kind of expand, or at least we don't push our brain to expand. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then life happens, you know, whether it's our vascular risk factors, or what we eat, or what kind of friends we keep, or what kind of life situations we're in, all of that affects our focus and attention, which is the gateway to memory and consciousness. And if we don't take care of it during those stages of life, it will definitely push us towards the mild cognitive impairment stage and dementia stage. So we say, mm -hmm. no matter what age you're at, try to focus on things where you can you, you can actually expand your, your cognitive capacity. Mm. Um, the one thing that happens to um, our age group, because yeah, I mean, you and I are both in the same age category, is we think that multitasking is natural, but there is no such thing as multitasking. It's doing multiple things badly. And so what happens is we take on a whole lot of things and we do poorly in all of them. And that really does affect our confidence levels. And we think that there's something wrong, but the brain doesn't function that way. We say do multiple things, but kind of, you know, put them in different silos in different channels, finish one thing and then start another, then another, then another, instead of doing multiple things at the same time. Um, so it, and of course, there are so many other lifestyle factors that we can bring on to take care of our brain and be. Um, and function very well. Because like I said earlier, at any stage, we can make more connections between our brain cells. We can improve our memory. We can improve our processing speed. We can improve our capacity to judge and apprehend and, and you know, delineate between what is important and what is not continuously. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, I love that so much. Extension on the multitasking. Multitasking also does another thing. It, it actually kindles, it, it feeds the fire of anxiety because when you're doing multiple things, it doesn't mean that you're going to fail all of them, but there's no way that you can actually get that feeling of dopamine release. I know that the concept of dopamine release is overused, but in this case, we'll use it where you feel a sense of satisfaction, satisfaction. And those are micro satisfactions. And if you're doing multiple things, even if you're succeeding, you're not giving yourself a chance to experience that, that satisfaction. That satisfaction is not just anti-anxiety. That satisfaction is anti-depression. That's a, because if, if a deluge, if a bunch of them are accumulated because you've just created small quanta of behavior where you're accomplishing, succeeding, checking off either mentally or literally, and then accumulating these, this creates what true motivation is. Mm -hmm. This creates a true path. 
This creates a whole wall of anti-anxiety. It creates a whole wall of anti-depression. Not, it's not going to get rid of it, but it creates this movement towards the positive. That's a critical thing. What we do, most of us, is we take on a bunch of things and never break them down into specific, measurable, attainable little quanta. Mm. And that is important for multiple reasons. Um, so uh, this book is focused on the behavior. I know there are 75 recipes. Aisha is also a cook. She's got all the talent. I just do, you know, I come for the looks, basically. And I'm going to, you know, for the body and like, okay. but, we need but, you. but, but, but reality is <laughs> we need, <laughs> but it's critical that we kind of focus on the behavior because if we don't fix the behavior mm. and we don't get those tools of behavior change, we're going from diet to diet and fail it. Because it's not satisfying something. So it's mm. not about the change of this to that or placing this or that or a superfood of this. It's a whole feeling of success in a direction. Mm. Yes. Or we go from exercise plan to an exercise plan and fail it and think it's something wrong with the exercise. It's not, nothing wrong with the exercise or your timing. So we have to create the behavioral model that everything's built around. And that's what this whole book, app, and the, and the course, um, uh, at least for the pre-orders, are, are all about. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover. If you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family. DrYami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. Yes. Yeah. So you're describing is that feeling of self-efficacy whenever you have accomplished a goal and that gives you the confidence that you can accomplish a subsequent goal. And what you're saying is that builds, builds upon each other. But what's key in these habit and behavior changes is that you have to subsist. You have to continue long enough to get that feeling of confidence before, you know, you quit and try something different. You're never going to get there. You're never going to get that self-efficacy. And what yeah. I heard you say, Aisha, is that unfortunately, you know, the natural history of the brain 
is that after 20, things you know may start declining a bit. We don't have as much function, but there's no clear point in time where we're just like perfect and then demented. This, this takes time, mm -hmm. but the hope that you're giving us is that there are things that we can do to preserve that brain function, to optimize that brain function, to, to protect it so that we can have the brain we'd like to have for longer. I think a lot of people feel like it's too late. They feel like, you know, I've been eating hamburgers and French fries and sitting around and not exercising for 50 years. They feel like maybe it's too late for them. So what would you say to these people that feel like whether it's just been three decades, four decades, five decades or more, that it's too late. They, they've done the damage and there's nothing that they can do to help. It's never too late. Um, it's, it's not late because the brain is, you know, as susceptible as it is, as sensitive as it sounds, and it kind of is, it's a really fussy organ. But at the same time, it's a very, very resilient organ. And if we mm. give it the right environment and the right foods and the right movement and the right uh, settings, it can continuously grow. And this is not just an opinion. This comes from loads and loads of research uh, that we have and uh, a lot of data that has accumulated over decades showing is that even at, at, you know, if you're in your 50s or 60s, if you start implementing healthy life, if you start doing the right things, if you manage your risk factors properly, your brain will continue to grow. Um, the, one, the one aspect that we need to talk about right now is that if somebody has dementia already, and if somebody has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, there really isn't anything anyone can do. And I have to say this with uh, great emphasis because there are a lot of doctors out there that are essentially selling their services or products or et cetera, coming up with language that you can reverse Alzheimer's disease or you can reverse some other type of dementia. And that is not true. We take this very seriously because we work in the clinic and we really care for our dementia patients. And it's really playing with our hopes um, and playing with the hopes of their family members. Um, so it's, it's important for us to kind of delineate that and kind of put that on the side. But short of having a diagnosis of dementia, anyone, anyone can grow their brain, whether they're in their, you know, when, in their teens or whether they're in their 50s. And we have had studies where, uh, say, for example, you know, there was a study that came out a few years ago showing that people who were in their 50s and 60s and already had a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment, which was a pre-Alzheimer's state, when they started doing exercises, especially strengthening exercises of their legs, their hippocampus, which is a part of the brain that is involved in memory encoding, it actually grew in size. Mm. And they were able to completely reverse their diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment and become normal. And there have been multiple other studies too. So there's a lot we can do at any stage in our life. And I think the one thing that people um, miss on that concept of brain health is that brain health is not just taking care of an organ. Your brain is where your personality resides. It's mm -hmm. how you feel. It's how you interact with people. And it essentially is an organ of, of bringing joy and stability in your life. Mm -hmm. And so we have to 
we have to take care of this brain. And the beautiful thing is if you take care of your brain, you've taken care of the rest of your body mm -hmm. because the same pathology, whether it's inflammation, oxidation, whether it's abnormalities in metabolism of glucose or lipids, applies to your heart, to your kidneys, to your muscles, to your skin. So, you know, thankfully that the theory and the concept is the same. When you take care of your brain, you've taken care of the rest of your body. Yes. Yeah, I love that because it's a, a one-stop approach for everything. You don't have to have a different plan for your brain, a different plan for, you know, decreasing your risk of heart disease or diabetes, you know, it's all the same plan, thankfully, so that we could just yes. focus on aligning ourselves with those behaviors that's going to put us on that plan for, for the long term. So let's Absolutely. get into it then. Let's talk about the neuro nine that you outlined in your book. What are those neuro nine? Okay. So when we were putting together the book, you know, Dean and I are very anti-gimmicky and we always are very, very critical of ourselves um, putting language out there because um, we've been trained as scientists and we are, uh, you know, we, do, we have all the degrees, but uh, it, it doesn't really matter, but we just kind of hold ourselves accountable as far as the science is concerned. So at the risk of becoming a little gimmicky, we said, I think it's, it's going to be fun for people to remember certain foods um, and to apply that and, and include that in their dietary habits. We are not for superfood of the day. We don't even believe in, in the concept of superfood, nor um, do we espouse the concept of reductionism in nutrition. You can't really eat one food. We eat multiple different things, and it's the synergy between the foods that affects our body. That said, that was a long preamble, wasn't it's it? It's a lot of apologies. Yeah. So, uh, the, the I think it's fine that you have the neuro nine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the neuro nine that tells you a little bit about my psychology, what's going on in my head. Um, the neuro nine are essentially nine foods that we chose that uh, essentially stand out in any dietary pattern, whether it's the Mediterranean diet or the mind diet or the dash diet. Um, and these foods have the highest amount of evidence of being helpful for the brain. So we wanted to include that and we wanted to um, essentially encourage people to eat it on a regular basis. And the neuronines are green leafy vegetables for obvious reasons. We all agree that greens are probably the healthiest food on earth with their amount of anti-inflammatory and antioxidant compounds. And greens, right. So uh, the, the, the next one are beans. Beans are great sources of clean plant-based proteins and a lot of fiber and so many other micronutrients that come along with it. Um, then we have whole grains. Um, there's been a war against whole grains and it just comes from a very false part of our, our existence. Whole grains are incredibly important. They're great for our brain health. It uh, gives us enough energy and the amount of nutrients that are packed in it is just astounding. Um, so greens, beans, whole grains, and then berries, especially blueberries or blackberries, the dark color have a lot of phytonutrients. And we actually have studies that show that people who consume blueberries on a regular basis, they have lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. Then we have nuts and seeds, which are great sources of mono and polyunsaturated fats. Seeds can also be a great resource for omega-3 fatty acids, which we can talk about 
about a little bit more. It is the only type of fat that the brain needs uh, on a daily basis. We have herbs and spices, which pound for pound have the most anti-inflammatory compounds. We have green tea. And goodness, did I forget one? It would be bad if I forgot one. No, but thank you. Yeah, I think cruciferous. I think cruciferous vegetables is one of them. There you Correct. go. Yes. Correct. As far as vegetables are concerned, cruciferous stand out. So we have, you know, things like broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and kale and arugula, which is also a crucifer. And they have sulforaphanes and compounds that really fight oxidation and inflammation in our body and our brain. And if, uh, yeah, and if, if we could actually make meals that include these neuronines, and that's what all the recipes are focused on, um, the chances of fighting inflammation and providing the right kind of nutrients for the brain to grow and thrive is immense. And by the way, these oh. are not the only foods. There are many other good foods. Uh, but we, um, it, but they, these have the, the four mechanisms that we, under, we talk about underlining a lot of the chronic disease of brain aging is inflammation, oxidation, glucose dysregulation, and lipid dysregulation. Mm -hmm. And these foods have the kind of substances that stabilize all of those the most. Now, this is not perfect science, and, um, uh, but, but they, if, if we eat a lot of these in, a, in every day, my goodness, we will have changed the damage that's done by our standard American diet significantly. Yes. No, I love the list. Well, I particularly love it because I pretty much eat everything on there. The one question I had is the tea. So you had green tea, oolong, and I think one other that you listed. They're all caffeinated tea. So I'm wondering if the intention of that is to help steer the coffee drinkers towards tea, because what about for people that are caffeine free? Would you recommend like an herbal tea or is water just fine? Herbal tea is great too. So the compounds in tea are the ones that are beneficial. Um, in, uh, in multiple studies coming from Asia, from other countries where people drink tea on a regular basis, um, they've noticed that the consumption of tea was associated with lower risk of dementia and cognitive impairment. Mm -hmm. um, there's really, um, as far as caffeine is concerned, there's really nothing wrong with drinking a cup or two of coffee even. Even coffee has been associated with lower risk of dementia. However, it's it's con uh, contextual. If somebody has, say, for example, anxiety or high blood pressure or some sort of an abnormal rhythm in their heart, they should steer away from caffeine as much as possible because it can induce anxiety or arrhythmias, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, even a cup or two of coffee is okay. But when we picked up tea because of just the immense amount of data that's on it. People who consume green tea or black tea, regardless of the content of their caffeine, benefit from it a lot. Um, yes. We always preface things by saying to the best of our knowledge today. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Science, yeah, science moves. Yeah, science changes. Um, usually in the same, you know, the direction is not going to change massively. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to be like quantum mechanics versus Newtonian. Uh, plants are beneficial. But the, the benefits of coffee at this point are strong. I mean, all nutrition is correlational to a great extent. But uh, strongly correlational, the benefits of tea are actually stronger. So it's always about the weight. When people from outside come into nutrition, they think things are in a binary fashion. Mm -hmm. Zero, you know, uh, all or none. It's yeah. contextual. Yes. And if we don't give it context, it's really doing disservice. Yeah. So that's the, that's the context. Yes, yeah, so important. Well, let's shift really quick to fat because I think this is, you know, 
right now in our culture, it's so debated, saturated fat, beneficial or harmful to the brain? Harmful. I don't think there's any debate about that. Well, well there are, there's a whole camp of, yeah, you know, there's uh, people, well, I guess people well, say there's a debate. Maybe the evidence isn't truly there, but I think what's yeah. hard is that the public sees these experts saying, everybody was wrong, you know, like eat all the cholesterol you want, eat all the saturated fat, eat butter, eat bacon. It's fine. It's good for your brain. Yeah. Actually, there's some people that say that it's good for your brain. So that yeah. it really yeah. confuses yeah. people, but you as the true scientist showing the evidence, what I hear you saying is that no, saturated fat does not benefit our brain. No, it's uh, the reason I said that there's no debate about that is because when you look at the body of science and the um, consistency of science, right? I mean, I could, I could spend hours talking about a one-off paper that said aluminum is great for your brain, right? Mm. Or I could start talking about this one paper that talks about how banging your head against the wall can make you think better. Um, but, but, but when you look at the, the, the amount of data that has come to us over many, many years and the consistency of the message in different lines of research, whether it's observational or clinical trials or case series, et cetera, et cetera, you see that the, 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 more, the major volume of the data points to one direction, which says saturated fats are not good for you. It's not good for your brain. It's not good for your heart. It's not good for your kidneys. It's not good for aging in general. It's not even good for children. Um, as far as the general concept of fat is concerned, you know, fat, fat is not bad. It's a type of fat that matters. Saturated fats and t trans fatty acids have been associated with harm in the body, while mono and polyunsaturated fats have not, right? So if we, if people derive their fats from nuts and seeds and avocados and a little bit of extra virgin oil, uh, virgin oil, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little detail because it's important, they actually benefit from it. Um, when you hear people say that the brain is made out of fat and you should eat fat because, um, you know, you need it, that is such a false statement. Yes, the brain is made out of fat, but the kind of fat that's in our brain is structural fat, which means that the walls of the cells and the structures of the nerves are made up of fat and they're replaced by the cholesterol that is made in the body. Um, but the only type of fat that the brain needs on a daily basis are omega-3 fatty acids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And then just to clarify, for those that eat a plant-based diet, when it comes to whole foods and fats in the plants, the majority of it is going to be low in saturated fat, except for coconut oil, palm oil. And then the other one that I realized recently was pretty high in saturated fat is actually cocoa butter, which cocoa butter is like 50 to 60% saturated fat. But yeah. so those three would be pretty high in saturated fat. So if you eat a lot of those foods, that might be something to watch out for. But besides that, in a plant-based diet, really relatively low in saturated fat compared to the omnivorous or the standard American diet, which is actually very high in saturated fat coming Absolutely. from animals. So Absolutely. Okay, so you kind of already started to touch on this, but I need to ask it because this comes up over and over. I know I've talked to you guys about this before. I get asked this question all the time. Can your cholesterol intake or your total blood cholesterol be too low for proper cognitive function? There are some people that when they transition to a plant-based diet, 
miraculously and wonderfully, their cholesterol goes down, which is something we see over and over, right? And so for some people, it goes down very low. <laughs> like mine, actually, the lowest I've had it tested was 100, my total cholesterol. So does that affect cognitive function or do people not have to worry about that? There, there's no solid evidence that too low of a blood cholesterol is been harmful to the brain. None. I mean, it, I mean, we're talking about solid data. Like Aisha said earlier, you know, there are over a hundred something thousand papers are published every year in PubMed. Uh, a significant proportion of them are junk. Significant proportion of them are made up. And so they're not peer reviewed or they're not, you know, uh, of, of the weight that, that one would uh, give them a validity. But when you look at the weight and bulk of the data, no, there's no evidence. So the relationship between low cholesterol and any pathology that's been seen is in hemorrhagic stroke. Mm. But even that data is um, uh, not fully vetted. Um, that data also shows it comes from when they are when they lower the cholesterol with medication mm. aggressively, and it goes really low, and then there's a higher level of, uh, and then where there is some data with population-based studies, which just came from U UK Biobank recently, that you know people who had uh, were on a plant-based diet had a higher stroke. The data was so flawed that it's not even worth mentioning. They they, I mean, the numbers were just atrocious. It was it was bewildering to us that they would publish something where 25% of the population that they looked at was misclassification. Mm. So how could you know that you're the, 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 the population that's left behind is not skewed because of the misclassification? In fact, it was. It was not truly representative of the general population. So there is no data that you know, uh, low cholesterol levels would lead to dementia. In fact, if we look at the bigger population, lowering blood cholesterol is one of the most effective things to lower chronic diseases, be it heart disease, be it kidney disease, be it stroke, be it dementia. So I would worry more on those endpoints of those diseases than the one-off paper or the obscure cases that have come of um, uh, pathology as a result of uh, low cholesterol. As a matter of fact, we actually have evidence showing that when your midlife cholesterol mm. has been uncontrolled and high, your risk of developing Alzheimer's goes up by 57% wow. in one study from the Kaiser Permanente Northern California study. And even a borderline high cholesterol increased the risk by 23%. So lower your cholesterol, the better your brain health is. And um, I'm a vascular neurologist, Yami, so I, I treat strokes in the emergency room and in the hospital. And people think that, you know, when you eat fat, it kind of directly goes into your brain. It doesn't. Our brain has this blood-brain barrier. It's like a tight junction that doesn't allow larger molecules to pass through into the brain tissue. So it doesn't allow saturated fats to go into the brain tissue or cholesterol. Omega-3 fatty acids are small enough to actually pass through that junction and get deposited in the brain. But the rest of the fat particles, they actually get, get deposited in the arteries. And we have millions and millions of branches of these arteries that are responsible for blood perfusion to the parts of the brain. And we get what we refer to as microvascular disease, which are damage to the small little arteries. And that can actually cause dementia later on, yeah. vascular dementia, vascular cognitive impairment. So the lower your cholesterol, the better your brain health is. Yeah, and that's actually, unfortunately, 
what my maternal grandfather has. He has vascular dementia and hardworking man all of his life, but you know, grew up eating lots of fried pork rinds and cheese and mm. butter and milk. <clears throat> so um, unfortunately, yes, that, that does that affect is- your brain. Yeah. So you mentioned omega-3, and this is something that I've wanted to talk to you about for a long time. And I know that you did this big review, and I'm just dying to know what you learned about the omega-3 DHA EPA. Who should consider supplementing with algal oil? And do you have any clues about how much, how often, and how important it is for children versus adults? And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. We did two reviews, as you said, one for omega-3 in the developing brain, omega-3 in the aging brain. Uh, this, there hasn't been really great research done. There's been a lot of research done, but not great research. And, but the, so you don't have conclusive evidence one way or the other. But the trends as interpreted by us is that for, their, their, for a certain population, there needs to be greater either emphasis or supplementation. Emphasis means you really, really have to be hyper aware of your, where you're getting your omega-3s, how you're reducing your omega-6s, how you're keeping your liver healthy to, to, to do that ALA to DHA, uh, EPA, DHA conver- conversion. But it, I mean, if you uh, and if you are worried, then for children, for uh, pregnancy, uh, women who are pregnant, for lactating women, and for people who are getting older and are having some memory issues, there seems to be some strong some relationship with supplementation and benefit. That's basically it. Uh, there, uh, and and in science, like I said, you don't have to have perfect data, 
but but there's enough data there that that we actually take it um our kids take it um at, uh, algae based supplement and and that's basically it. and even the quantification is not perfect so yeah on the adult side um it's a little higher than we we expected you know and usually they say um uh, 1000 milligrams and then for children it's not even well known yeah. so we we just basically give the dose, the, the dose not well known yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. Reality is, we the the one thing that should stand out is that the brain needs, especially developing and an aging brain needs a lot of omega three. Mm -hmm. We need DHA, we need DHA in uh, quite a bit, and one has to be aware of that. Um, and we do, on when you're in a deprivation state, and if you're not in a good dietary state, you might be lacking um, uh, omega three, which would definitely affect your brain. Yes. And you know, this could be a whole podcast episode by itself, but I think what's important for my listeners to understand is that there's this balance between the omega-3 and the omega-6 fatty acids. And so typically in the standard American diet, the omega-6 are very, very high. So we're eating all this fried foods and, and oils and things mm -hmm. like that, where then so that balance is what shifts that omega-3 down. So even if you are eating your walnuts and your flaxseeds, sometimes you may not be converting enough over to make up for that high amount of omega-6, pushing the balance to one of inflammation. So yeah, well, I'm glad that you did the review and are helping us understand a little bit more of the data, but I agree. I feel like it's, it's just one of those places where it seems like the benefit is there to supplement, but then after that, it's like, okay, how much? and who really needs it for sure. But as far as what I do in my practice and my patients is I tell families about it and why it might be important. And then they can decide if they want to supplement yeah. or not. So, okay. Exactly. This has been so much fun. I have yeah. just a couple more questions for y'all. Just fun questions. What yes. would be your wildest dream come true for the world? I would like our relationship with the planet to change. Um, uh, for what of just surviving and uh, although we're faking it like we're all working together and for the good of the planet uh, no we're we're everybody's just in a survival mode you know the we were talking about the philosopher uh, Thomas Hobbes where you know it's just survival um, a war of all against all it shouldn't be that we are amazing species that can do so much for each other we don't have to create camps. We don't have to create separations at all. That's, that's contrived. We can actually give of ourselves for those that need more so that there is equity and equality and, and greater uh, growth together, a rising tide. Um, we can also get beyond ourselves and start looking at the planet and what we're doing to this amazingly gorgeous planet and all the inhabitants of this planet. I would like us to become guardians. I mean, I don't want to sound like the guard. I mean, I know I have two kids that keep watching that movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. Forget about the galaxy. It will take care of itself. Guardians of the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, we would like, you know, it would be wonderful if we could be guardians of this beautiful planet together without these false delineations, false separations. And uh, for those who have more, to give more. For those mm -hmm. who feel more, give more love. Yes, oh, that sounds so beautiful. A little too poetic, but uh, it is what it is. Oh, I'll go with it. that one. 
Yeah, I don't think that I can top that off. But, I, you know, as a family, we've uh, we, we talk about this concept all the time, Dean and I and the kids together um, to uh, essentially position ourselves to be the guardians of this beautiful planet. And I think um, once we take on that responsibility, everything else falls in place, because once you put yourself in a situation where you um, you you take on that task, then what your 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 career your daily activities everything else is going to be focused on that bigger picture yes what do you wish more people knew i think i'm gonna cut in here all right i wish they knew how tasty (laughs) aisha's cooking plant-based cooking is then they wouldn't feel deprived and they wouldn't even go for those nasty (laughs) prion filled burgers and 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 food uh and i'm bringing back the book thing but 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 reality is i wish they knew how tasty a beautiful plant-based food and more and healthy it can be well i think we're do- we're we're all working towards that wish aren't we yami you mm-hmm. are uh, we are um i wish people would know that it's it's not difficult to take care of your health and to live a beautiful life with your mm-hmm. loved ones and and that you know by making small changes at your home and in your community that dream can become a reality oh so beautiful no but i kind of agree with dean i mean i think i'm a pretty good cook i do i i do have the ability to make my way around the kitchen i can create wonderful things but when i see pictures pictures of your food aisha i want you to adopt me for real though (laughs) i don't know how you get any other work done because i would just basically just eat all day that's just what i would do it just looks amazing like my mouth is watering right now thinking of the beautiful recipes you have in this book so so wonderful thank you thank you so much for saying Uh, you guys are both amazing i just my soul wants to jump out and be transported to where you are so I could just spend time with you more. But we, we are short on time and I know you have so much work to do. So please tell me how my listeners can connect with you, get your book and all of this wonderful stuff you're talking about with the app and the program. How can they get on this train? We love and admire you so much, Yami. Everything you do for the world, for for your platform, everything that you stand for is absolutely beautiful. And when we're a family, we're connected. We'll yes. have more conversations in the future. Thank you for helping us uh, disperse this message of hope. Um, people can find this book anywhere that uh, you know that essentially sells uh, books. Uh, we encourage people to buy it from their local bookstores and support their local bookstores because it's important for us to reach out to each other and and care for each other. Um, but um, one important thing that I wanted to highlight was, you know how when people write a book and they get these little bonuses? So our bonus is essentially a 30-day program. It's an mm. online 30-day program. If people pre-order this book, they can join that program and we'll be there for multiple Q&A sessions. There will be two, uh, actually more than two experts who will come and talk about um, stress and sleep and behavior and cognitive activity. We will have nutritionists and registered dietitian be available to answer any questions that people may have. And it's going to be a beautiful community. Um, so they can actually join that program by going to our website, teamsharesi.com and signing up for the bonuses when they pre-order. 
and our social media um, handle is at sharesimd.com. They, they can get the website either at sharesimd.com or team sharesimd, but sharesimd.com. And, uh, and um, yeah, we were looking forward to seeing you guys. And the one month program is going to start in April. So pre, pre-order now because we will put you, put you into the system already and we will get downloadables and all of that stuff uh, started. And uh, we're, we're hoping to, already we've had 3,000 people sign up. So wow. would love to see everybody there. Awesome. Well, I'm lucky because I got a galley copy, but I think I'm also going to pre-order a physical copy from my local bookstore so that I can get my parents on this program because I'm so excited they're flying here today. I haven't seen them in over a year. And I'm like, I want to cry because I can't wait. And I have them scheduled for their first shot the day after they arrive, 1030 a.m. And so then they have six weeks where, you know, I'm trying to keep them to my dad loves going to the dollar store. Okay. So I don't know what I'm going to do to keep him from going everywhere. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you sit down, you read this book, you do the program. And then when you are fully immune, then you can go to the dollar store. So this is my plan. (laughs) Amazing. We love them already. He sounds like an amazing man. I'm so happy that you're seeing your parents. And my dad loves to cook and my kids will say that his food is better than mine. We've had competitions (laughs) where we, you know, cook beans and then we blindfold the boys and have them, you know, taste whose beans are better. Um, So, you know, I like to say mine are good, but his wins all the time. So Aisha and Dean, this has been fabulous. Leave us with one call to action before you go. What is one thing that we can do this week to improve our lives? Start by a morning brisk walk, a 15 minute morning brisk walk. With a morning brisk walk, you change your circadian rhythm uh, or put it in order. You have exercise, you start pushing your metabolism to a start more early in the morning. I mean, it affects everything profoundly. So a 15 minute, if you can do more, that's great. But the operative term is brisk. It's not meandering. So a brisk walk in the morning is, is an amazing thing to start with. I say play your favorite music and start dancing for five minutes. Yes. Both sound <laughs> awesome. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all the work you do. I can't wait for everybody to read this book and you're starting this revolution of habit and behavior change so that we can all preserve our brain function and live long, healthy, happy lives. Thank you so much, doctors Aisha and Dean Shirzai, and have a very plantastic day. Thank you thank so you much for so having much. us, Yemi. It was wonderful to be here with you. See you soon again. Hey, veggie lover, I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.